Secret Friends Unite! Welcome to the Secret Friends Unite podcast, episode 410. This is your guide to the geek side. And this is just one of the audio podcasts you can listen to with Secret Friends Unite. On our network feed, you can get everything from Star Wars, Star Trek, to video games, to all the world of nerd on this podcast you're listening to now. So rate us, subscribe, and tell your friends. We'd love to hear uh, that it's getting loved by more and more people as we speak. Tell um, your friends, tell your enemies. Bum, bum, bum. Exactly. And another way to experience our podcast is visually on YouTube. We put all our podcasts up there so more people can find us. Some people find it easier to touch just uh, content when they have YouTube on the computer screen in the background. So uh, we're there. Rate us, uh, like, and let people know you like that as well. Um, when we're not doing that, we're introducing ourselves. So I am Todd Oxtra, one of your hosts, joined by Charlie Carden. What's up? All right. Sunday, we're up to 410. So we survived 400 through 409, which isn't that when usually most podcasts fail when they're in the first 10 episodes of their 400 episode block? Um, we, there's work? probably not, there's probably a smaller sample size of a podcast over 400 issues right. or episodes. Um, right. so I'm guessing it's more of, they make it to number 10 at the beginning, right. they're right. more likely to happen. So yeah, the attrition rate, when you look at like podcasts, you look and see, well, when did they finish? Oh, their right. last episode was like 2019 because right. most people know that this stuff after a time, it's not the easiest thing. It's, if you don't right. love doing it. Right. You're going to stop because it takes a huge amount of your time, yep. and commitment. Yeah. Yeah. If you know what, I've always I've always kind of learned, you know, and again, living my life in marketing, you, you whatever your consistency rate is, it has to be a consistent consistency rate. So if it's once a week, which is what we do here, if it's biweekly, which we do for our other three shows, if it's once a month, if it's a couple times a quarter, it just has to be very fixated. It's like it's every Tuesday, every Tuesday, Secret Friends Unite. Boom. So you're just when you pick your phone up that day and you're going to jump in the car like I always do, it's got to be there. So here we are. You will see us on Tuesday. And Todd, are we going to talk about other developments that might be happening? Uh, no. Okay, we're not going to be talking about those other developments. You're just going to be surprised by them. Get ready. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, when you know what we're talking about, you'll know what we're talking about. Oh, you'll about. know. Oh, you'll know. Yes, yes you'll absolutely. Know. Yeah, so, and something else we're talking about is this wonderful cover. Uh, oh, my goodness. Where we've got a number 10 matching the, the, the last two digits of our podcast, which is DC Superstars Giant presents strange sports nine sensational superheroes versus nine sinister supervillains in an all-new baseball spectacular strike one <laughs> luthor gets punched strike two joker gets punched and then we've got random people with gloves and uh bats yeah and i mean what's going on with the, like on the you know obviously you see in the background here you see you know and th these are all very much the style of like super friends because you got like wonder woman in that classic look you see robin in the classic look but who else is that like the adam and i think i see black canary back there who's the the dude oh is that supposed to be like gentleman ghost but he's in a baseball outfit like from like he looks like kind of like babe ruth like the old-timey like stripes 
Am I why is he right? the only person actually dressed up like he's actually going to play baseball? Could they maybe be on their way to the uh, the quartermaster to, or wherever it is you get your baseball outfits from? I don't know. You know, he's well, ahead of the, the game. The, he, the he brought his own. The was a DC villain. So maybe oh he's the, 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 the equipment oh, manager. Maybe that's the sports. I'm trying to figure out if he is a head or not. Like if he's head. I don't know. I'm very confused. The cover's um, a little small in front of me because it kind of looks like he's got some a cloak over his face or something like right. that. Right. Or he's. Yeah. Or he's wearing two baseball caps, one on his head and one that he's holding in the air. Oh, my God. And this is from September of 1976. So it's only slightly younger than I am. So this was a comic uh, you could have picked up at your corner drugstore when when your C3 was just a baby. Just a baby. Uh, yes, 50 indeed. cents. And there's just too much in this comic book. Right. It's it's a, it's a lot of content. It, you know, like they say in the Blues Brothers, that's a lot of entertainment. For $2, which is, was only 50 cents. So it's a fraction of that. I don't know. But it doesn't really matter because uh, while this is awesome, fun, and exciting, uh, the real juice, the juice that gets the squeeze is, as always, down at the corner of Hollywood and Vine. I'm talking about our 123-year-old senior news correspondent, Madam Webb, with all the hottest scoops, waiting for us now. So let's do it. Now it's time for Madam Webb's rumors and news. Take it away, boys. Thank you, Madam Webb. Well, everything's, I guess, turning up Madam Webb this year. So um, we've got some news about that, actually. And we probably should actually get to that one first, Charlie. You know, why delay the inevitable? So, Madam Webb, this news story is for you. Uh, And that is, apparently, Charlie, we've got a Madam Webb, like, update where it's actually happening. This movie... Uh, Real the, web, the web logo for Madam Web was revealed as Spider-Man spinoffs wraps filming. So this movie's actually like filmed. It's a real deal. I, it's the real deal. Holyfield. Oh, yeah, my gosh. Yeah. That's director, crazy. Director of photography, Dwayne Charles Manwiller, which is probably not real, uh, <laughs> reveals Madam <laughs> Web's official logo. Lance Manley. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, not Lance Manley. No, no um, it's just Manwiller, like you said, does, does not sound like a. No, it does not name. sound real. No. Yeah. Uh, confirms that the Spider-Man spinoff has wrapped filming. Um, and then he revealed in a snapshot on Twitter of the logo, uh, Madam Web. Uh, yeah, director is Darren Prescott. Um, and it's official because it's on one of those uh, clapboards, I guess is what yes. they call it. The, yes. the, cla- the clapboard and someone who had really a beautiful uh, writing with a one of those large Sharpies. I'm, I'm impressed. It's no, no, no squiggle to it. No, no. So, you need someone. That's one of the qualifications to run that board. It's like someone who writes uh, cue cards. Right, um, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactamundo. I love it. I love it. Well, that's great. So if it's wrapped filming, um, when do we think we might see this magnum opus? Is it already on the schedule? Oh, in. Oh, and okay, that's no. Yeah. So as of right now, it's set to release. So let's see. Uh, Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Keep scrolling. Blah, blah, blah. Looking for Carnage. uh, Feb 16. Feb 16. We're over here. Initially scheduled for January 13th. Apparently it's moved out a month. Yes. Uh, original release date was October 6th, but now February 16th, 2024. You know what's so exciting about that is that is a, uh, the actual anniversary of April 9th's first date. It'll be 10 years this year. Next year it'll be 11 years. But this year, for our first date anniversary, we're going to see Ant Man because we can't see it any later because of, you know, 
what we do here. Uh, and then it'll be the same thing next year. We'll, we'll go see Madam Web. And so that we can do our, spo- well, we have to do our spoiler cast, no matter how good or bad it is. Cause we, you know, Madam Web's part of the team. We can't, we gotta, we gotta prioritize her stuff. So I'm oh, totally Absolutely. Down. Yeah. So this movie, um, essentially, we don't know much about it, although we know Dakota Johnson will portray Cassandra Webb, Madam Webb. Uh, Sydney Sweeney will reportedly portray Julia Carpenter. Um, and then um, Madam Webb also stars Mike Epps, Tahar Rahim, Isabella Merced, Celeste O'Connor, Zoysia Mamet, and Emma Roberts. So an eclectic cast of people we know. Yeah, I, we don't know. It's, it's a it's a dead airspace between Mike Epps and Emma Roberts as far as like, let me let me, you know, let me go to IMDb and find six degrees of those two characters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. because Ju- Julia Carpenter is your 1980s Spider Woman who let then who came from Secret Wars and then later went on to um to be in the West Coast Avengers, and then eventually she becomes Madam Web. Sorry about, sorry, spoiler. Um, and that's kind of the history of the character. So, yes, this will hoping for a redemption for the Spumco because let's just face it. <sighs> you know, I, and, and apparently, Charlie, there's something else I didn't know. Apparently, Adam Scott was supposed to appear as Uncle Ben in the film, which just means like Adam Scott is probably 39, maybe around that age. Um, so he's, he's got to be in his early 40s. With but that, still. I mean, and we don't know. I mean, because of the connectivity, the canon of this, um, obviously, we've got, um, uh, you know, our current Spider-Man who's young. So. It could be, and he's obviously dead, and we've never seen him, and he's really never been really referenced much at all in the current Spider-Man films. So I don't know if Ad, this is like Adam uh, Scott is forty-nine, making him older than both of us. What? Swear I, to God, man, he looks good for his age. Adam Scott, born April 3, 1973. so he turns fifty uh, in just a couple of months. Damn, he's Paul, he's Paul Rudd. I was going to say he's Paul the new Rudd. Paul Rudd. Yeah, yeah. If you look at the other, like Amy Poehler is fifty-one. It just appears on the same page because they're they're associated. Isn't that bizarre? It's weird. It's weird because I always assumed he was younger than me. Oh well. Right. Um, well, his his yeah. first role uh, that anybody ever saw him is he had a, a cameo in Star Trek: First Contact as the helmsman of the Defiant in that okay. battle with the Borg. He's yeah. the one who says, you know, blah blah blah. We're dying. Another ship is coming in. It's the Enterprise. It's to Worf because Worf is in command. And then he has all of seven seconds of screen time, but he did have a couple of lines. Um, but yeah, that was him. You don't end up seeing him again. So you don't even know if he survived, if he beat him on the enterprise and then maybe he was borgified and died. So you don't know. You don't yeah, know. Was, yeah. He was a late bloomer. I think one of his first real like starring roles was in that, uh, sitcom party down, which right. if you hadn't watched, it's pretty funny. It's about folks at work, uh, right. catering gigs and, uh, Jane Lynch is in it. Uh, oh, Ken God. Marino, yeah. Uh, and a bunch of other folks. I'd recommend checking it out. It's pretty, it's a pretty different type of show. So there's some pretty wild things in that one. But um, yeah, we'll see how this goes and how it all fits. And uh, we've got essentially um, a year, almost a year from now. Right. This will be reality. Reality. Oh, well, uh, what else we got up next? So this is um, we got uh, this is about Dungeons and Dragons. You know, we have a movie coming out in March with uh, the former, uh, presumably former to be never again, Captain Kirk. That would be Chris Pine. Uh, but this is about a TV show. So, Todd, this is your wheelhouse. Go for it. Yeah. So we are getting that movie, like you mentioned. So um, 
and D and D is out is now owned by Hasbro. Um, and it's funny because they've been going through some things, but they've really been trying to build up the D and D brand as part of their other properties. They, they essentially own, which is, you know, right. which is admirable. Uh, how is it all going to fit? Do they have a good track record? And D and D itself has a horrible track record, all horrible right. performance with live action things. Um, right. You know, go ahead and watch the D and D movie from like 2000 with Jeremy Irons. Oh Horrible. God. And uh, what's his ass? One of the Wayans was in those. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes. there you go. Yeah, one of the worst ones. Sean, I think, is is who it is. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah, Uh-oh. exactly. Who's done nothing else? I think. Um, yeah. Um, so we are essentially though, if if all goes according to plan, um, we are going to get a TV series on Paramount Plus. Um, so this is interesting because I don't know what the relationship between. Paramount and Hasbro is Viacom, and yeah, are there other you know Hasbro related properties that well, I mean, is it some kind of deal? I don't know. Paramount, because I thought it was Universal. No, that's that's the, Paramount, the tra- right? The Transmorphers, yeah. Oh, yeah. um, oh, as far as producing the films, yeah, I think that's Paramount. Those are Paramount I, films, yeah. So it makes the sense, same thing with the, with the GI Joe films. I, I so yeah, maybe there is maybe Viacom, a relationship. Yeah, Viacom also has you know claws in there or whatever. Not that any of those were. Well, I mean, I know there's a new Transformers film coming up that you're. Yeah excited about but nothing that that preceded it has really blown the doors off but yeah so dungeons and dragons has been around since the 70s i know have i have a lot of really hardcore uh D folks and you know my my friends orbit missy who's a, a future contributor to the show she's part of our crew over on the batoski she's a big D person i got a buddy uh, of mine who i used to used to have a working relationship with when I worked in the restaurant industry, big D and D guy, just tons and tons of people love Dungeons and Dragons and have for the past 50 years. So, um, so anyway, you think that they'll, uh, they'll pull their, you know, their, their orcs out of the fire here and, and make something that people want to want to watch. Is this, is this at all inter have any interconnectivity to the film as far as like producers and what does it say here? No, it's, let's see. They're partnering. Yeah. So, Yes, they are partnering with. Um, this is a really. Is it it's hard to get to the details to see if they're going to have the same producers that have worked on this movie. They, they talk about the movies being directed by Jonathan Goldstein and Jonathan Francis Daly, but right. they don't necessarily say that they will actually be actively involved in this TV series. Mm-hmm. And the thing that gives me pause about Paramount uh, doing something other than Star Trek is they just don't have a lot of experience with right. it. Right. As we well, saw know, with yeah. Halo. I know that you were really hating on Halo, which again, we we liked it, but, and I've said that, I think I said this most recently as our last episode, we're, we're without the baggage of any frame of reference of, well, Master Chief didn't take his helmet off or he doesn't show his butt or whatever it was. You know how you love some of those Star Trek comics that don't really fit? Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, the they're com- not canon, even though yeah. they're not canon, so it doesn't really matter anyways. Right, exactly. Um, the, the Halo TV show, they said it's a different pocket universe, so it's not really based on anything. And based on that, it's like, I don't such, know who this is for. Such a crock, a different pocket universe. No, but I mean, like, there's a Deep Space Nine comic coming up where they have the uniforms in the right colors, but the colors are reversed. Like, you know, the the the, the shoulders on the jacket are supposed to be gray quilted, but instead they're colored. And then the, ja- and the undershirt is the wrong color. It's just... Yeah, it's just, just you know, do your Charlie. They guys. changed the uniforms for a short period of time. They didn't tell you. Now it's coming out. Now it you was, have to get all new it, uniforms. It was just Surprise. for the purpose of this comic book series, and then they changed exactly. back. I'm That's not, the only I'm thing not. canon. We we this is actually canon. We're keeping this storyline. Everything else. No, nope, just the uniforms can't take it. So anyway, Todd, uh, so this gives you pause, but I assume you'll take a dip and you'll at least see how you feel about it. 
Absolutely. Why not? What's it going to hurt me? I've got Paramount Plus. What's it's, it going to hurt me? You don't know how it's going to hurt you. So don't, don't, you know, don't if they tempt can, fate. <laughs> and the problem is they've got some competition in the fantasy realm now with House of Dragons and also right. Lord of the Rings. And there's been some other good stuff as well. Some people like the Wheel of Time series on Amazon. So right. this could really stand out to be horrible and just once again represent like, is fantasy isn't easy to do? Or maybe... <laughs> stand out to be horrible. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, I, I, you know, why not? We'll see how this goes. It'll be great to have more shows delving in different areas for Paramount versus just right. It's, it's a Star Trek channel with some Yellowstone. <laughs> mm, ah, that's right. Well, it's funny. And as I've griped, it's 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 not even Yellowstone. It's Yellowstone adjacent. So you've got that main show, which is difficult to get access to. And then everything adjacent is on Paramount Plus. So it's licensing. It's all licensing. It's like the, you get the Spider-Man properties from Marvel, right? It's like <laughs> it's, it's very much the same. Like, yeah, oh, but, you, you know, you, you're not going to see live action Spider-Man on Disney Plus because of what or maybe maybe they, I mean, maybe they resolve that. I don't get think the current gonna... show and all the prequels, because it's 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 now going to be 90 percent prequels and one current show. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, so complicated. All right. Moving on, as I'd love to say. Put it on a shirt. Keep your eyes peeled. Um, this looks fantastic. Now, it's funny. We watched uh, this past Friday was Friday the 13th. So I'm like, let's watch a horror movie. And so we go over to Paramount Plus, my favorite streamer. And we wanted to watch Friday the 13th. And it was so annoying uh, that there was an uh, audio visual. Uh, the audio and the video were unsynchronized. And I couldn't even oh. going in and out. I couldn't get it to write itself. And I went back and I would start something else to make sure it wasn't a problem with that. So anyway, we gave up on Friday the 13th and we moved on to this point to what I'm why I'm telling the story. We moved on to something else that was on my list, which was the classic American Werewolf in London, the John mm -hmm. Landis movie from 1981. God, I love that. So werewolf stuff is on my mind. But Todd, you love Sarah Michelle Geller, who's a star of this deal. So go for it. Yeah, it's funny because uh not funny really. Uh I'm a Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan and Buffy, Sarah Michelle Geller, you know, that's part of my youth. So I really loved yeah. it. Um, she doesn't, she hasn't done a lot of stuff that I've really enjoyed outside of that. I think um, she was yeah. in a couple of horror films, but other than that, I really haven't followed her career in other things. Right. Um, but she is now kind of going back to the genre roots and she's right. going to be in this new TV series called Wolfpack. And it's basically executive produced by uh, the guy behind Teen Wolf, which was on MTV and a lot of, it has a big fan base and everything. It was my uh, April and, and our son, Nathaniel, when he was growing up and he was a teenager, not like, you know, when he was six years old, but you know, 10 years ago, this was a show that they followed. I mean, they really loved it. I watched it a handful of times. Didn't really grab me, but um, yeah, big fan base. So yeah, people like the wolf stuff. Yeah, and, and that was a that was at a weird time when Nintendo oh, when MTV <laughs> decided to make some I guess decently scripted shows like Scream right. this and Teen Wolf. So I'm like, right. but it was like that was such a small little window, and they said, oh, this is too hard doing quality entertainment. <laughs> it's too hard. It's too hard. Whatever. Yeah, I'm whatever gonna quit. Yeah, let me put on the guy who's the the Rob. What's his face? The skateboarder exactly. guy. Ridiculous or whatever it's called. Ridiculous. <laughs> right. Or whatever the show's right. Called. Oh my yeah. god. And 20 hours of that streaming on MTV. But you better believe it. It's all back here. So this Wolfpack series, it's actually going to be. It's based on a book series by Ido. Van Bolkum. And it's essentially following a teenage boy and girl whose lives are forever changed when a California wildlife awakens a terrifying supernatural creature. When in the chaos of its attacks, the teens are inexplicably drawn to each other and to two others who were adopted 16 years earlier by a park ranger after another mysterious 
wildfire. As the moon rises, all four teens come together to unravel a secret that connects them, the bite and blood of a werewolf. Yes. Uh, This looks pretty good. Looks pretty good. Um, Could be interesting. Sure, Michelle Geller, where she fits in, that she's essentially a cop. And, uh, well, she's actually an arson investigator. um, And she's an expert in her field. um, And she's being brought in to figure out who the arsonist is, which will obviously then lead into a larger mystery. Mm, Um, Why not? Uh, It could be good. I love it. And it does say at the bottom of this, and, and I apologize if you said it because I was updating my notes as we were talking, but uh, same day drop as a original Teen Wolf um, TV movie uh, at the end of this month, Thursday, January 26th. So it's going to be a be a wolfy kind of scenario happening. Yeah, and, and because – this is based on a book series. Teen Wolf is based on, you know, <laughs> the, the classic movies that were so serious. Yes, a very classic uh, basketball playing um, uh, part-time lycanthrope uh, played by Michael J. Fox. And, or, and, or, and the, oh, or Jason, not Jason Priestley. Uh, Jason uh, Baseman. Jason, yeah. Not Basement. See, we both screwed it up. There was a Jason and a Priestley and a Baseman. Um, and have also famous for the bleacher scene with the guy who was sitting there with his wiener hanging out. That was one of those like, what? You've heard of that, yeah, haven't you? Was, yeah. Yeah. It's like the it's like the ghost in the window and uh, two men and a baby. Right. Exactly. No. Yeah. It, it was actually it was a it was a it was a force projection from uh, Star Wars because it was directed by Leonard Nimoy. Wait, that doesn't sound right. Oh, no. Anyway, this looks like fun. I'm totally on board. This is uh, what will probably six or eight episodes. Like most I assume, shows are yeah, it's typically the, the standard yeah. length. Yeah, and it's gotcha. on Paramount Plus, and they're pretty good for keeping shows. They don't they don't like drop them and then say right. you're not doing any more episodes. So right, um, right, hopefully right. they're in for the long run if it's good. I love it. Well, all right, the big, big, big genre news kicking off. Um, uh, obviously, the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, in force in 2023 would be a final trailer for Ant Man three, the Quadrophenia uh, Quantumania. The Who is not going to show up, uh, which we're getting on Feb 17. Um, wow, yeah, we didn't get. I didn't think we got a ton of recycled footage in this, but we did get some new. Easter egg mania, you know, and we got our first look at Modoc. The now, yeah, uh, thank God they put this in here because I couldn't remember the first part of it. Modoc stands for M O D O K, is the mechanized organism designed only for killing. I remember the last part, but not the first part. I love Modoc, but this does not look like your happy go slappy um, Patton Oswald Modoc. He looks like he's pretty pissed because uh, he shows up like a. Uh, does he have Does he have four arms in this? Uh, he has little arms that are going <laughs> up the side of it. And then it looks like guns guns coming out. So I don't know if those are officially arms as well. Right. Oh, my goodness. So I have a nice classic Marvel Legends deluxe MODOK figure, and I don't collect these, these, these other figures. But obviously, you know, updating something for the big screen is kind of important. You know, if you put Spider-Man on the big screen just straight up wearing, you know, some underoos or something, it would look absolutely ridiculous. Uh, the same way that, like, for Star Trek, they didn't use the old cardboard sets when they started making the movies in the 70s. So um, so I understand updating MODOK, but, yeah, it's the, in this photo here, he's kind of casted in a shroud. And it, I don't know if it, he's got – does he have a mouth with teeth? Am I looking at that correctly? I think it's a mask. It's a mask okay. over the, – the big reveal was that this is actually – this MODOK – is Corey Stoll or Yellow Jacket. And um, we didn't see him die, but we thought he died in, yeah. in, in Ant-Man 1. And apparently he's now in the quantum verse. And oh, I hate it when that happens. how he got a huge head. 
I don't know I, how that happens. I, um, ju- I just don't know. So yeah. Modoc, I, I knew he was a long tenured character, but he's really from uh, originally 1967's Tales of Suspense 94. Uh, and, you know, he's a mutated cyborg. He's a dude with a big head that sits in a chair. And uh, he's been part of several big villain crews, including Intelligentsia, which was from She-Hulk. It was the ins- in- Insidious Incel Brigade. <laughs> That's right. Site, yes, oh for all, for all things hate. Yeah, yes. it, was, it was kind of weird. Um, and you know, that's obviously the big reveal in this. But then we get some story beats in this trailer that are really talking about that. It looks. I think there could be some flim flam, Charlie, because Always. Scott Lang apparently says, you know, I've ran out of time and missed out on time. Um, and apparently, it appears that he's made a deal with the devil to get some time back because of the blink and because right. he was in jail and, and some things like that. I think that's flim flam. I think it's really going to be um, Janet potentially oh. made a deal because think of how the time she lost, she lost right. far more time. It's away from her family. Oh, okay. So it might've been part of the reason why she was able to come back as easy as she was. That was part of the deal that yeah. she would bring yeah. them back in. I don't know. That's my thought. Or could and, be, and, and that's yeah. why I had said I said you know I said April I said how can we watch this whole trailer and you don't hear a peep out of out of Michael Douglas as as Hank Pym and because he was you know such a driving force the other two films and she says well I think she said I think the story is really about Michelle Pfeiffer's character so there you go yeah could absolutely yeah. be but you could see for the purpose of the trailer and let's hope nobody's going to sue because I guess that's a thing now don't you remember we talked about that several weeks that's ago right. which, is, which is crap in my opinion uh, suing over a trailer not being up unless it, you it, can it, get money from it and then we can yeah just and, get our own, and, we get our lawyer yeah and then it's great the yes we, we get who is our who is our um, who's our SFU lawyer is at uh, uh, Bad John Mike. C. Flim Flam. John C. Uh, yes, the Bob uh, blah 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 blah. <laughs> yes. Um, but at any rate, yeah, this was fun. yeah. So obviously, you know, in a trailer, you're trying to create, uh, you're trying to create a buzz. You're trying to hook people, which is you know hilariously unnecessary, and because the MCU films 100 have a built-in audience, but the marketing machine never ends. So you can kind of see why they're doing it this way. So, um, yeah. And we're getting some, uh, we're getting Catherine Newton as the new version of Cassie, slightly older Cassie. David Dalmatian is coming back, which is awesome. And it's an act- a new role though. He's not playing. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Bill Murray, just from the very glimpse of it, kind of strikes me as being like kind of like a, like a grandmaster like character, like what we got out of the delightful Jeff Goldblum in uh, Ragnarok. Uh, and then they list an actor, and I have to look up the same. William Jackson Harper says in quotes, potentially is Reed Richards. So another Reed Richards. Uh, I think. Oh, it's it's the guy from um, The Good Place. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Cheaty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK. That would be a good pick. Yeah, he he's a good egghead. Why not? He is the master. So anyway, yes, uh, as I said, February 17, which is a Friday, is the drop date. But because uh, we'll be going uh, the Thursday before, that is the 10th anniversary of April 9th's first date. And she had turned to me months ago and said, well, that's what we're doing on our anniversary, isn't it? I said, don't hate the player, hate the game. God, you know, take business. Like, no, honey, you come first. What would you like to do? That is what she would like to do. That's the irony of it. That's why we're such a good couple. <laughs> she wouldn't want to do anything else because um, we love going to the movie. So anyway, that should be great. And I'm expecting tickets will go on sale within the next couple of weeks. Sure. We're like a month. We're a month and two days away from that. So, yeah, I would be surprised. So, all right. Final story about Rob Bat, Bat and Bat. Uh, <laughs> Robert uh, Pattinson's version of 
The Batman, which we saw, it was a little over a year ago that that movie came out, but it says here, Matt Reeves has a big Batverse plan outside of James Gunn's, James Gunn's DCU. Now, does he have a plan that is like a little fun little plan in his head, or is it a plan that actually is going to mean something, like, like not like The Rock's plans? <laughs> yeah, I don't think his plan is to go around everybody else and just say, this is our plan, and speak to everybody, excluding the people that will actually make the plan come together. Yeah, uh, it's, right. like, it's, like, it's like the kid who tries to subvert like, oh, I went to mom and asked her. She said, okay, nope, it didn't actually happen and vice versa. So it's (laughs) like the parent trap or something like that. I don't think that's what's happened this. But what we're hearing now, uh, Reeves is going to sit down with Gunn and Safran and discuss the arc of what he has planned for the Batman films and all the side projects versus what Gunn and Safran have planned. Because Gunn and Saffron is basically saying everything is up for grabs to be used when they're going to tell their stories. So right. at this point, you don't want it to be like, um, say you had the um, uh, blanking on his name, um, the 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 Batman films that we got before with Christopher Nolan. Oh, um, uh, with uh, what's his butt? Oh my god, I can't remember either. Uh, Christian Bale. Bale. Christian Bale. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you essentially don't want to say, okay, guess what? You're going to now have to take this Batman and pulls him into different projects that doesn't fit with what Nolan wanted, because that would just get icky. And I don't think Christian Bale would be like, yeah, I'm up to do and fight, you know, fan or, you know, uh, Mongol or somebody like that. Same thing here. I don't know if, if if this team is like, yeah, I'll, I'll gladly step in and and take on um, these goofy space villains. That makes sense with my character art. No, it doesn't, because if he has a hard time struggling with normal criminals, I don't think you're he's going to be able to take them to JLA you're or any you're of that not stuff. Bringing yeah. on Mister Mixel Plixic. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's like it just it doesn't fit thematically, and that's where I'm like I think that's the point. He's like saying it just doesn't work, and I don't think you're going to get these other actors and, and Matt Reeves. And then what is Matt Reeves that have to replan his story along what happened in this movie? That gets kind of sucky. So that's why I'm thinking that this might be one of those standalones, just like the Joker, because they pre-existed James Gunn's plans. Right. Um, but I think everything else is up for grabs. I don't know. Um, nice. Yeah. Grab it. Get, step up and grab it. Yeah, I, I need to revisit the Batman because I know it was it was delightful and everybody loved it. And you know that I saw it on a Friday night and I was sleeping. Um, but the parts of it I saw, I did enjoy and it did it did well. Uh you know, a globally made three quarters of a billion dollars. So yeah, they're going to make some more. Um, but uh, yeah, this would be interesting. And again, that's the beauty of this kind of stuff is that it can spin off in a lot of different directions. And while, uh, you know, I, I think there, there would be a small percentage of the audiences um, in genre land who couldn't understand that okay well this is not associated with this and because you know people you know because of people like you and i who do people listen to shows and there's so much you know information available on the internet that people understand when things divert in different directions the same way you understand that you know tom holland is spider-man but then there's also a group of you know the animated with mouse morales and it's not really it's it's connected but it's not connected so um so yeah i don't have any you know concerns about the viability of doing something like this so I'd like to see what they're going to do with it. Make it happen. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of, and and hopefully this could be a more successful show. Just call it like Batman Elseworlds or Elseworlds right. colon whatever. And then they could say, these are stories that are just unique takes on characters. Right. And we want to tell those stories. But we also want to tell you know, more broad and, uh, you know, connected stories as well with these classic characters that, so there's something for everyone, meaning right. you get 
not the R only the R rated Batman. You get a Batman that just like how they always do the comic books or, or sorry, the cartoons with Batman right. and different things. Right. And it works and people can get that. Yeah. That Batman can be goofy and this one can be serious and it is perfectly fine. Um, it worked less uh, well when you did X-Men origins, which was a series of one movie. <laughs> right. Um, well, yeah, it's, it's hard to do a series. And for the first one, people are like, Oh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the yeah. collective. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, we'll see what's next. We're supposed to get in January, we're supposed to get a reveal of everything, but um, right. I'm perfectly fine with getting, you know, we're, audiences can be smart not they're not all dumb saying well why isn't batman doing this it's kind of like why we you know we have movies in mcu it's like why aren't the avengers showing up to do something well right. they were on a break yeah exactly yeah. yeah you're right you know audiences you know even though i don't always necessarily give uh audiences in general a lot of credit for being super savvy when it comes to this kind of stuff people can you know people can walk and chew gum at the same time they can really figure out what's going on so yeah i'm not concerned that they can't split up and like you said tell you know decent stories um in whatever lens it tends to fall into so oh anyway all right well that's the news todd it's time got to get out the feeble uber app fiduber Fuber? Anyway, got to get boogie in. It's time to get down to Scuggsville, Nasty Town. The Geek Easy awaits. Talk about what we're watching and reading. So let's go. Talk nerdy to me. Talk nerdy to me. We're sitting in the Geek Easy. Drinks are poured and the cover band is playing. And we are ready to talk about what we've been nerding out about in the Geek Easy this week. So Charlie, uh... The first thing you're going to talk about is I had I listened to their podcast and they talked about this exact series. Oh so I gosh. am up to speed. So great. If you are a uh, long-term listener of the show, you know that here in the Geek Easy, we have long been uh, fans of the Yacht Rock, soft rock video, vid, uh, hits of the 1970s and 80s and really all the way on to today. Well, Paramount Plus got the note. They must know how much I love them. They must listen to the show and said, you know what? Let's make something that's for Charlie. Let's make something for Charlie that he's going to sit and he and April are going to watch it and he'll be singing for three hours. Uh, three installments of something called Sometimes When We Touch soft rock hits and this really kind of takes us through you know the the post vietnam uh, or the dwindling vietnam era of the early 1970s when people were like man you know things are tough and music is tough and we just really need something and something to alleviate that and you know popular music dog-legged into something that was a little easier to to digest with you know bands like Casey and the Sunshine Band. There was a little more disco. God, now, now I'm impressed to think of examples. Captain Tennille was really big in this special. Air Supply. Um, Air Supply, yes, the number exactly. one soft rock band I think of. Yeah, right, exactly. And Todd, lots of selections from Steely Dan, your personal favorite. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know how much you hate yeah. Steely Dan. They're so edgy with their easy listening tunes. There was no later style. Yes, exactly. Especially with a name like Steely Dan, which is some kind of medieval torture device or something. That's where they took their name from. Just like okay. their music is to my ears. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, let's yes, let's let's take a Very let's take a chainsaw and chop off Todd's ears. It's great. Um, but yeah, no, this was this was a ton of fun. And again, we watched it over a couple of nights, and I just I just never stopped singing. I said, turned to April before we started. I said, you know, I'm gonna be singing through this whole deal. And she's like, 
I know. And I just, I just had a lot of fun, um, you know, and, and naturally that got me uh, back into, you know, I, we have the Amazon Prime Music Unlimited, which is a service I pay for every month. And I was just in there, build me a new Yacht Rock playlist. Christopher Cross, there we go. There's the big one that I think of. God, I love Christopher Cross, such a talented dude. There, there, you know, there's, they have like Yacht Rock playlists already. Oh, I did, so, I did. And I played one of those, but you know, nothing's better than, nothing's better than doing it yourself and finding all the creme, creme de la creme, you I know. Say, from, Yacht Rock, I've, I've learned listening to enough of those. There's like 30 Yacht Rock songs. That's it. Anything right. else is like, it's not I, Yacht Rock. We're yeah, calling it that. I think the playlist was like 65 songs, but a it's, lot of it, yeah, tends it's tend a stretch. to tend to etch and web. So anyway, Todd, it's a fun watch. You'll find yourself singing along. So I, I recommend it. I think. Yeah, what I had heard, though, nobody could really determine what soft rock was because essentially they put ballads in there from like, Angie, they said a soft rock. No, that's yeah, they did. Ballad. They said, oh, even yeah. bands like the, the Rolling Stones were, you know, because that was from the seventy-three. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so I think so. that's. I think. I think. Determining what so, uh, soft rock is, they said that's the problem with this, this. That's what they said. They said they couldn't figure out what soft rock was, so it became right. a meandering mess of just we're trying to make something, and it's right. it's probably half baked, and it's probably right. way too long for what it is. So I'm like, and, I, I hear that. I'm like, uh, it's a skip. I, you know, I would simply say that that is probably, and I think they explore this really in the in the docudrama. This was is that that's probably what has helped it survive. And they, you know, they also go through a whole segment of how rap samples in the '90s had everything to do with soft rock. You know, from De La Soul sampling, I can't go for that from Hall and Oates uh, to you know, Baby Baby, I'm falling in love, ended up on a Nas record or something. I mean, there was just an absolute ton of it, and it's all the, and all the it's like song called Through the Line, through through the fire, through the fire. That was in the the rap song though. In through the line or something like that because right. so they use that sample. You see again, what I mean? Right. And yeah. they had they had uh, Daryl Simmons from Run DMC, which I'm a huge Run DMC fan, and I met him at C2E2 when we were there in 2020, talking about me. You know, even you know, growing up in Hollis, Queens, I was listening to soft rock because that was what was on the radio, yeah. uh, and it, and it was influential in the most influential one of the most influential rap groups in in the golden age of rap. So, uh, Todd, while I understand why it's a skip, it is very difficult to deny. Uh, the power of soft rock. So anyway, Paramount Plus uh, is where you can find that. Secondly, went to the theaters, and it was funny. We were um, having one of our regular Cards Against Humanity nights with our our best couple's friends, Jay and Tammy, down at their house. They live in our neighborhood. And we were talking about, oh, what you guys do today? I said, we went to the movies, and we saw the new Tom Hanks picture, which is a man called Otto. And I said, uh, name me something Tom Hanks has done in his career that sucks. I challenge you, Todd. You're an eligible guy. Can you tell me something Tom Hanks has done that is just a, a, a just a pile? I mean, you can't Probably even say, you can't even Bosom Buddies, the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Um, he was I mean, you the, can even he, say like like what's that one movie? Um, oh, uh, Bachelor Party. Not a good film. It's it's goofy. It's dumb. But I mean, it's not a good film. But he was. He was good, and oh, he was in the Dungeons and Dragons that we were just talking about from the nineties. No, 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 no. He was in like that Dungeons and Dragons film that was all about the propaganda against Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know that one. It's called Mazes and Monsters. It's essentially okay. that exact same. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Okay, but you just said it's pretty funny, so it's not a piece of crap. No, no, no. It wasn't funny. It, it's essentially a horrible thing. That now, <laughs> if you look at it, you'd be like, "This is a cheese fest." It was okay. trying to basically say Dungeons and Dragons will make kids into 
murderous killers. Oh, so it was like the uh, the the preacher in the eighties that said, you know, li- the, these kids who listen to Judas Priest albums backwards and then they blew exactly. each other away. Oh, On fire, the vanities is probably the movie people would say is probably Tom Hanks' worst. Yeah, but still, the man is a national treasure. Yes. Just seeing him talk, I mean, he was on, uh, he did Colbert earlier this week, and he was fantastic. I mean, so anyway, Man Called Auto, it's based the on burbs, a- Joe versus the vol- volcano. Oh, Joe versus the volcano, okay, I'll There's give you a, that he's one. He's got a pretty crappy record before the 90s, let's be right. honest, yeah. Big but, would be his like big standout that it was. Really you think, yeah, it was kind of tilted. Yeah, but I yeah. mean, really, it's certainly in the last twenty five years, he's yes. kind of untouchable. He is, he's, he's America's national treasure. So, at any rate, this film was based along two, I think, two Swedish novels. Like they combined the two novels together. I don't, I don't have it in front of me, but that was the, the vibe I got with some of the reading I got. Has to do with a a recent widower named Otto. Anderson, who lives in a uh, lives in suburban Pittsburgh, he's in a uh, basically a condo complex, and he is what Todd and I are rapidly becoming an old curmudgeon. Getting out, yelling at young people—that's probably more me than you, Todd. But at least, but at least I'm willing to admit it. Um, especially, there's a snow pile on the other side of my fence that the school put up that kids are climbing on, and it's because I don't want them to fall into my fence and kill themselves. I had to call the school about it. <laughs> that's how you know I'm an old man. Postscript to that story found out the fence is school property. So if a kid does fall and kill himself on the fence, I'm not liable. But the kid is still dead. So that's still a bad thing. But at any rate, that's what's going on with Otto. And and what you kind of find out as the film unfolds, and it's set in... 2019-ish, so it's in the recent, and you'll see because there's a there's a time evolution as the movie goes on, because I was looking at certain things. I'm like, why did they set this in the weird recent past? Anyway, what you find out, he's he's a widower, but you really do kind of understand the backlog of his story. He and his wife met when they were young in the 70s, and they were childless, and yada, 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 and, and it's all really revealed as the movie goes through, but the through line So it's is, up? It is... Not really, because it's not really kid-driven, and there's no balloons in a flying house. But other well, than no, that, but I mean that's the whole thing. Like, like, ch- ch- yeah, it's basically this is up going somewhere else. It's uh, up. Uh, it's, uh, it's sideways. No, that was a different movie with um, with wine and stuff. Um, what directions? Up, down, sideways, uh, perpendicular. Maybe this movie is perpendicular. Could be diagonal. At any rate, the, diagonal. Thank you. Uh, a, a a couple moves in across the street, and you know he ends up. They end up, you know, wanting to connect with him, but he is um, not having it. And it's just an ex, it's an exploration from there uh, of his story. And I, I I cried more than once watching this movie. And I don't know if it's just because we're getting older uh, and more sentimental about things, but yeah, I this I absolutely adore this film. I would I would highly recommend it. Uh, to you, it's not a genre film, but again, it's something that I think can appeal to people of our ilk, older folks, married, kids, no kids, whatever it is. Uh, and it's Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is a quadrant toucher because we talk a lot about quadrants. People love him. He's done a lot of great stuff. And yeah, I recommend it. So, Todd, I know that this kind of thing isn't always your big grab. What have you heard about the movie that, that would sway you? I've heard it's good. It's like a more cuddly version of Gran Torino. So, uh, yes, sort of like, uh, definitely. <laughs> he's, not, he's not, he's not somebody with a shotgun. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. But yeah, he's the old guy who he, um, he, uh, shovels his walkway the same every time. And then he sweeps it and in mm-hmm. both directions, Todd kind of reminds me of your snowblower stories, you know, I mean, so yeah, it's, it's kind of, a, it's kind of a little bit you and a little bit me of getting old and being a grumpy asshole. So, <laughs> I'm I'm actually surprised this movie's actually in theaters because he's been doing a lot of movies for Apple Plus. This is like yeah. I, I I feel badly, but I think this is the type of movie that is um they are struggling to do very well at the box office anymore. I think people said this type of movie, 
I can wait because it's doesn't ha- it's not tied to a big franchise. It's it's right. it's, mm. uh, it's it's it can be seen on the small screen because there's Tom Hanks isn't doing action sequences. So, uh, like I said, I, I think this movie is kind of like it's it, it, even talking about Oscar bait. They're like a lot of these Oscar films are not doing well. Um, like, like, yeah, it, that was, is, that was, yeah, that was a recent one. Yeah, I went and saw a recent one that you're like, yeah, nobody's going to see it, but it was total Oscar bait. Now, I've already forgotten what it was, some movie we saw last This movie made like $4 million. That's not a good sign for Tom Hanks and his star vision, make, only making $4 million on a weekend. Well, well thank, yeah. God, thank God he's made his bones and he's an old guy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he's not, he's yeah, not you're trying to make his career. You were talking about, the, what was it, The Fablemans? The same thing there. It's like yeah. a, if, if a Steven yeah, Spielberg movie right. can't make – you know, uh, $80 million in its run where that movie made like $5 million. Like yeah, right. mm, that's a portent of like smaller films, just not. Yeah. You're going to end up seeing yeah. less and less of them because they're more yeah. consumable on the, uh, yeah, you, I'll wait. Cause there's not big explosions. Right. Not that I see. To see. Yeah. Unless, yeah, exactly. you know, yeah. But at any rate, I would still challenge you to say, I thought this was an exceptional film. And when it does come your way, Todd, I would encourage you to watch it. You may find something in it that you like. Well, Charlie, while you were seeing that, I watched two smaller things, um, both on the small screen as I was working small out screen. again. Yes, uh, my my workout room is slowly coming together. It's looking nice. pretty good. We got a workout bench for my son. has a Roman chair so I can do my back exercises. So very cool. Good. Set up the TVs, move. So it's 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 looking good. Just need some flooring to put down, which we'll do next. Um, but uh, led me into watching the uh, newest animated series on HBO Max, which is Velma. Oh, this yes. Is, very controversial. Mama yes, Mama. This is the Mindy Kaling led uh, basically another take on Scooby-Doo. This yeah. is uh, essentially their sophomores or juniors in high school. Oh, and man. there there's like no connection with the mystery crew. Um uh, you know, Velma and this is, is played by an Indian American girl. Her dad is a Indian uh, lawyer. Um, and uh, she's like been solving mysteries in her youth. And um, her mom mysteriously disappeared. So now, um, yeah. So now when she is trying to solve mysteries, it, it, she gets like these panic attacks. So she's, tried to not do it. And then you find out her and Daphne were childhood friends, but there's a rift for some reason. Uh, you find out uh, Shaggy is a African-American and he's pining for Velma kind of a, but he's not like into the, the 420 <laughs> type of thing, eating Scooby snacks. He's in, into the 420 space, which is, which is ironic because yeah. the, the Kellogg Scooby snacks are something we go through in this house. Like nobody's business. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Todd. Um, no, that's okay. That's okay. Um, but it's, it's funny. So a lot of the characters are not who you know them as. So, mm-hmm. you know, Shaggy and Velma do kind of have a, a, a friend relationship. He's in the friend zone. He's actively pining for her. Then you've got mm. Freddie, who is kind of a jerk dating Daphne, but is a real jerk who's not really tied into the, the whole friends. We don't have the mystery incorporated yet. Okay, this. gotcha. And there is no sighting of Scooby-Doo yet. So, Oh, okay. So this is obviously very controversial because they have – you know, they've shaken up the snow globe. They changed a lot of integral things about the character. So the questions always become, did they accomplish something by doing that? Or was it just shock value? Oh, she's a, what, you know, she's a this and he's not 420 and uh, she's Indian now. And, the, you know, Scooby's black and blah, blah, blah. So it's like, and that's Scooby's black. <laughs> it, oh, yes. Yeah, no, no, they made that, him a black lab. Oh, no. Not, oh, he's, no. He's, not, he's no longer a, uh, uh, what is it? A Great Dane. Oh yes, he's not, he's not brown, he's black. Um, but yeah, but, yeah, the question then becomes, are any of these changes 
does it help the story along? So that, that, that would be my very first question. Yeah. So this is more of an adult take. So this is, feels like adult animation where it's, um, they even, they even do a lot of riffs on comedy and things like that. Um, there's, uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's more of an adult approach. feels like an adult swim take on Scooby-Doo, which mm-hmm. is fine. Uh, but a lot of the humor does feel like it's that edgy, um, takes on woke culture which it's funny because i don't right i don't say like woke is bad it just becomes this like parody of itself it's like right everything is against like those 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 paradigms which you're used to which is fine if it's done well this feels right. like a updated take on daria and love or hate daria daria she was who she was she was a character of the time I don't find a lot to like about Velma in this version because she's kind of angry at everything and not very likable, which is I'm like, hmm, I guess that works for some people if they don't want a likable character. Yeah, that was yeah. going to be my question is that is, is the disconnect that it's just not for us, meaning us, you and me, people like, ah, you know, yeah. not so much that you're like, oh, I can't handle a different take on a character. But is it like you, as you were saying, is the take on it just like, <laughs> Like I, okay. I don't, th- yeah. It's it's to me. It's trying to be edgy for edgy's sake. Uh, yeah, right. Let's just put it this way: there is a because uh, it's it's. I'm totally cool with whatever they want to do as long as it's good. And this one, it feels like the writing isn't up to par, and right. it's not nailing it. It feels like it's trying to do what other shows have done, but done it better. And then they're like, oh, we're going to bring it back and try to make it because of the Scooby-Doo property. I don't think it helps either one do really well because Mm -hmm. if it's totally about the mystery, the mystery part is very tiny in regards to like progressing that forward. Um, Uh, And you say, as illustrated in your background this week, if you're watching this on YouTube, that's what Scooby-Doo was all about. You know, they're blah, 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 old man Johnson. You know, there's people scaring them away from the amusement park and it's a big Frankenstein and, and at the end of it, we pull it off, and it was Old Man Johnson all along. Yeah. It was a very, but yeah, but if you're like, oh, now we're, like you said, if it's being edgy for edgy's sake, is it being written? And if the audience is uh, geared towards an older audience, then give us something that it seems like something like this would be geared towards a younger audience because they might be, with sure. lack of familiarity, they would be less like, well, that's not my, that's not my Scooby Doo gang. You know what I mean? So, I mean, yeah, it could that, be. There's it kind of, it just seems very upside down because you would think, okay, well, we're going to introduce the Scooby gang as a total, totally different, um, you know, like I said, she's Indian, he's black, blah, blah, as opposed to like, oh, here you go, 40 somethings, here's Scooby Doo, and everybody's different. And, you know, like I said, people who can't deal with quote unquote woke culture, the parody of it, it just, it seems weird to me. So I don't know. But you're saying that at, at a first blush, it just didn't really blow your skirt up. Just not. I watched the first two episodes. I think there might be three out because it just dropped. So HBO yeah, Max okay. typically is a couple. Um, I don't know. It just nothing really. I, I don't know what my hook is because, like I said, the mystery, it's okay. And there's really yeah. no like supernatural element yet, except right. for the panic attacks she gets are kind of themed with a supernatural villain. Yeah. That, that's, like, that's not like, bad. Like Wednesday, you know, like how she would have visions. Exactly. Or yeah. 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 Like where she's almost feeling like she's being attacked. Um, but there, there's parts that I feel like, okay. And I don't, there's no Scooby-Doo canon. Cause there's been 85 different takes. Scooby-Doo, like Scooby-Doo canon. <laughs> but there's one part I feel like it's really forced and I'm like, okay, we're doing that. Okay. Fine. Oh, whatever. Mm, yeah. All right. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, I, I wished Velma in this version was more likable in this instance. I just feels like she's angry and pushy and kind Kind of like Daria, where Daria I didn't feel like was very likable too, but that was the thing. People around her was what 
kind right. of balanced it out. And this is it, it, yeah. so there's nobody I like, maybe except for Shaggy. I like Shaggy because he at least seems to be a nice person. Everybody else seems to be a jerk. Right. Exactly. Know. Oh, boy. Yeah. All right. Well, no, that's that's good feedback. So, all right. What else you got? So this next one is called Palty Goldman. This just dropped on Peacock. I think it's been out for like three or four weeks. And they've got like five episodes and it comes out weekly. This thing's crazy, Charlie. I don't even know what to describe this thing. I so Paul, had, hadn't heard about it at all. So yeah, okay. it enraptured so me. I saw a trailer for this a while ago. And I'm like, this seems like, like a, a true crime story. But the approach to it is essentially this guy, Paul T. Goldman, his name has changed to protect the innocent, I guess. But he even mm-hmm. tells you what his real name is. His name is real name is Whoops. Paul Sinkelman. Yeah. And this is a very meta show because essentially you're hearing about what supposedly is true, a true story happened to this guy, Paul T. Goldman, in his life. But while we're telling that story, we're also getting like a pseudo, or maybe it's real. I don't know yet. That's just the weird part. Like a reenactment movie with real actors, but he's the main actor in it too. So you get like behind the scenes oh of filming this. He's, oh my he's goodness. essentially, he's cast as the main character, but then you get like real people like D. Wallace from Poltergeist plays a pet psychic who is based on a real character in the movie, but she's playing the, the she's portraying the real person who is the oh pet psychic. Goodness. And then you meet the real pet psychic. So it's very meta. It's very unique. So it's but, like, it's like the, uh, the Seinfeld where they're, they're doing the Seinfeld or they did that in like Californication as well. They're making a story about, you know, David Duchovny's character's life. But it's and all had, yeah. at the same time, which is really right. weird. So it's like, it's, but um, it's compelling because I, and I'm just finished episode three and I, and it's just, it's, I just, it's so compelling. Cause the story's like, this really happened to this guy. And it's so, cause he's such a, he's such a, we talked about nobody was likable on Velma. Yeah. Paul is just a goofy guy. He's you just, you just love to watch super, him because super likable. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the, he always seems like a character of a real person, but it's really him. Yeah. And oh he gosh. brings in elements of his life, like his ex wife, which was weird too. To <laughs> she re- It's just crazy. And, and I think there is something more to this that we're going to get revealed as this goes on. Like this might actually be a sham and it's not a real story, oh, which no. would even be a bigger mind meld but right um it's really entertaining and i really like it and the episodes are like 45 minutes long so um oh but yeah and it's dropping like real time so it's like we're gonna get our next episode every week so it's not like dropped one day one so people have seen the whole thing they could spoil it for other people so i don't know if this is truly really going to be a flim flam type of like experiment or a real thing but it's highly entertaining if you like just want to watch something that is so weird based on supposedly reality so palty goldman Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. Well, awesome. Good deal. All right. Well, that wraps it up for the Geek Easy. Got it. Two weeks in a row. I got it. Uh, It's time, Todd. Got to dig up that uh, Air Qantas app. It's time to get to the land down under. The mutants and uh, Tina are waiting for us. And we're bringing back a game. We're dusting off a game this week. So want to know what it is? Let's go. Thank you, Tina. We're sitting in the Thunderdome where the mutants have been gathered for a topic or a game to be entertained. And this week, we're going back to a show that people love and hate, and that's Tata Show. Um, I love it. So Tata Show is a game we've done a few times where we essentially take a movie or a TV show where all we have is just the name of it, 
and we basically make up the rest. And it's typically not something we've seen before because that wouldn't make any sense. So uh, this week, we are doing 90s fantasy movies. Uh, fantasy is such a broad, like soft rock, Charlie. Fantasy can be very broad. It's anything that's not like uh, aliens, I guess, in tech. Right. Uh, anything outside of that essentially could be fantasy. Made up but, stuff. But uh, people do describe Star Wars as sci-fi fantasy or, or fantasy or whatever. So you're right. The, the line is it's very blurred. It's very blurred. Yeah. The blurred force lines. becomes magic. Yeah. The force is magic. It's not related to anything. It's spiritual. It's you right. know religion. It's and It's so yeah. spiritual. All right. So um, how about I – Deliver a title to you first, sure. and then you go with. God, even the even the cover of this thing is so weird. But I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna share it with you until yeah. the uh, less and, I know about this, other than the title, the better. And it's also one of those written and directed by some some dude you've never heard of. So you know that's that bears well. Okay, you ready? Absolutely. The name of the film is Photographing Fairies. Ooh, photographing fairies. Okay, um, photographing fairies. Um, this takes place in, we'll say, mid-century of the 1800s, uh, England. And um, we've got an unknown person who has actually created a camera. But just like the monkey's paws curse, the only thing that this camera, and this is before it was actually introduced by uh, Broadly, it can only capture the supernatural. And he first he thinks is the, the, the main character's name is um, uh, Robert Robertson. Um, thinks Rob, his bat, camera, Rob bat, bat and Bat. Yes, he thinks his camera is broken. So he's trying to figure out why doesn't this work? He's got everything set up. You know, he's got the, the what is it, the 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 thing you hold your hand, you put the powder, the powder. The he's flash. got that all set up. He's got the, right. the, 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 the blanket that goes over your head and he, okay. you know, he's, he's so ready set, to go. So set yourself on fire. Yes. Yes. The old timey cameras, that's what it looked like. He's the guy that created this, but he, it doesn't work with humans, but um, he's taking pictures and he thought that those were what he saw was real people. So he's trying, he's got a conundrum. He's like, why is this not working? Well, he determines after he goes and talks to his wife, um, Roberta Robertson, um, you know, uh, and she, you find out Roberta actually is a demonologist. He never knew this before. So the two of them uh, try to figure out what's going on. And we find out that his camera was built over a burial ground ah, of Vikings. Ah, oh, Vikings. Oh, my <laughs> exactly. God. Because, you know, they were going around in Europe and, you know. Br British were, Vikings. They, they got around. Exactly. The Anglo-Saxons, the, the Vikings, they all came together. Um, and it was made from a tree over a burial ground. So there's cameras actually haunted. So he has a haunted camera. And then we find out the things that he are actually is taking pictures of are evil fairies now the fairies are the if you know are the natural enemies of the vikings um everybody knows that it's it's exactly. science it's, it's science yeah exactly there's long history look at all the look look at all the encyclopedias the war between right. the the um oaken shields versus the um right. clover feet it's it's well known so so um we find out that actually um the fairies were uh imprisoned 
uh, by the Vikings. And this leads us to a murder mystery where the couple keeps taking pictures and leads them, tells them more of the mystery. And they eventually find the fairies. Uh, they are, you find that they're, they're basically find their little bones in little glass jars where the Vikings have captured them. And this is their only way to reach out to humans is through the supernatural camera. So, oh my um, gosh. But the flim flam becomes when an ancestor of the Oaken Shields comes to kill Robert and Roberta so they don't release the fairy spirits into the wild. And the, um, little, and, the, and the little bones like a, like a Jamaican, like a chicken exactly, bone. Exactly. But they were able to release one, that fairy, which was um, uh, Jiggly Greenfeet, uh, was able to escape, take on the uh, ancestor of the Viking, and uh, that ends our tales. Basically, the fairies were released. And after that point, the camera then was able to take pictures of real humans. Wow! Release and that, the that demons. Robert Robertson's real name, middle name was Kodak. Oh, like my dad, Bob Kodak, exactly. is what I always called him when I was growing up. Wow, that is amazing! And I bet the um, I'm willing to believe that the third act had like a big blue sky hole, so it was like a Marvel movie. When, when did this movie come out? Like oh, I'm going to say ninety two. So really bad CGI, just absolutely just bargain basement. Terrible it was all claymation, by the way. They just made they did claymation for the the fairies. Yeah. Oh, I figured that plus some muppetry uh, would really nail it. Well, you know, after all that equipment to make the raise the California raisins went to you know crap. You might as well use right. it for something. Exactly. Still good. Well, you know what? You are um, not far off, and so far to say that you were not even close. This is a 1997 British fantasy film based on Steve. Steve Slangely, anyway, it's a weird last name, 1992 novel, Photographing Fairies. The film explores some themes of folklore, uh, such as possession, paganism, animism, animalism, hallucinogens, parapsychology, and fairies. It was inspired by the Cottingly Fairies hoax and was released in the United Kingdom in September of 1997. As I said, it was written and directed by someone named Nick Willing which is not a name I'm really familiar with. The only notable starring name in this, Sir Ben Kingsley. Oh, really? So this was is like an film, actual yes. movie versus like a documentary. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, it was, it's, a, it's a theatrical fictional film. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and they go through, uh, they go through here and, you know, there's some elements of what you said that um, your main character, his name is Charles Castle. Uh, and he does have a, a uh, you know, t- takes photographs, which does, somehow, you know, pick up some mysterious shapes and nobody can really understand. He's a post-World War One uh, photographer. So he's survived a shell exploding in a trench in World War One. ends up back in London doing photography and ends up in the field. And and then, you know, there's some stuff with fairies and then there's a murder and there's just, there's a lot going on in this movie. So uh, interesting, but definitely nothing fun or exciting going on here. Um, though it does, it, the reading the summary does sound like it has a happy ending. And Sir Arthur Conan Doyle is a character in it. I'm just, wow. I've, I've, scrolled, I've scrolled down further into the cast. So yeah, very interesting. So yes, uh, Charles Castle photographer, his fiance, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and Ben Kingsley uh, plays a Christian minister named Nicholas Templeton. 
Nichols. Very yes. interesting. Critical reception. Timeout London said photographing fairies, quote, aided by a fine cast, notably Kingsley as the girl's vicar father, and appropriately stunning photography by John DeBorman. It's a fresh, rewarding film, very intelligent and beautiful. Hmm, seem, seem like I picked somewhat of a ringer. Well, you know what? I am interested to see where this plays because uh, I might check it out. Who knows? So, anyway, uh, great, great work. And just for your own edification, if I go to just justwatch.com, which I highly recommend as a place to find things that stream, it is available to rent or purchase on uh, Vudu. $3.99 is the price. So the the $3.99 price is so nice. So go for it. So there you go. Photographing fairies. Well, excellent. Charlie, are you ready for mine? I, I was born ready. Let's let's party. Okay, here we go. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm all ears. The name of cl- the movie. I'm going to close my eyes so I can just draw draw a picture. The name of the brain. movie is Jacob Tutu meets the Hooded Fang. <sighs> well, I mean, the pieces of this are pretty obvious. We're in Colonial Williamsburg in like 1995. Uh, Jacob Tutu is an obnoxious 12 year old tourist. Um, he's kind of, he, you know, he's kind of an overweight kid. You see him eating, like he's smashing a hot dog in his face. He's got a lollipop, uh, and his, you know, and he's, all he's doing is bitching about having to go on this uh, vacation with his parents. You know, his dad's a CPA, his mom's a stay at home, a put upon stay, put upon stay at home mother. Who's just me, me, me. It's just, they're, they're a miserable couple and he's their only child spoiled, rotten, and just an obnoxious little, little dipshit. Let's face it. J- Jacob Tutu is his name. So they're going through colonial williamsburg and the kid naturally gets lost and i say all of this without having any idea of what colonials williamsburg is like as far as the layout but the kid wanders off outside of the established area and the sun is going down he's in the forest and uh, he's like oh what am i doing in the forest i need another hot dog what's going on and uh, as he's wandering he comes upon some caves and naturally coming upon some caves he hears the growl of a wolf and Yes, that's right. It's what you what was the, what was the other part of it? Jacob Tutu and the hooded meets the hooded fang. Okay, so boom, who comes out of the cave but a wolf wearing a cloak, but standing standing on all fours. So Jacob's like he just he's gonna he's gonna piss himself. He's just absolutely terrified. Did did say anything about poop because that was a deal. He's gonna pee himself. Uh, so he starts running. Uh, the, the hooded fang is chasing him. Uh, he falls down a hole, a rabbit hole, and he ends up in Cool World. Basically, he's in this weird animation thing that's happening uh it's it's cool world but it's reversed so brad pitt is animated but the other characters are real and he's just he's flopping around trying to figure out how to uh, get out of there but the hooded fang has also fallen down the hole and it's continuing to pursue him but you'll see along the way that uh jacob uh starts to make some friends you know it's 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 more of a spiritual journey kind of an awakening uh for him as he discovers his maturity and being uh, a better friend to the you know, the characters he meets within Cool World, um, all the while still, uh, you know, evading uh, the Hooded Fang until the dreaded third act. That's right. Big Blue Sky Hole, because that's the only way that he can get home. But what stands between him and getting home is the Hooded Fang 
But Jacob, because he's in Cool World, he's able to assimilate the animations. He makes himself this absolutely crazy suit of armor, kind of like Iron Man way before its time, because this is, you know, like I said, this was the early 90s. Terrible animation, trying to cash in on the lack of success from 1993's Cool World. No, if this came out in 1992, this, this was the precursor to Cool World. Oh, my God. It's amazing. So anyway... There's a big fight, big blue sky hole, terrible animation, all, you know, 2D animation, single cell, not Disney quality. They fight, and at the end, uh, he pulls back the Hooded Fang's uh, hood, uh, and because the Hooded Fang, again, they're, they're right at the, the, the crux of the big blue sky hole, and the Hooded Fang is himself as an adult. That's right. What happened is, is that... Uh, after you go into Cool World, uh, time passes at an accelerated rate. 30 years have gone by, and by the time he got out, uh, he was this grizzled veteran. Maybe people thought he was a werewolf, but anyway, he's living in the woods of Colonial Williamsburg. And all the wooden, all the, the, the Hooded Fang has been trying to do was to save him from this fate. So uh, the, the Hooded Fang has some kind of computer he's built. He pushes a couple of buttons. The big blue sky hole changes from this angle to that angle, which takes him back to the present. He pushes Jacob through the big blue sky hole up, pushes him up. Like maybe he's got one of those scissor lift things, pushes him through it. And then because he's changed history, the uh, the hooded fang disappears. But because of a, a, you know, of temporal mechanics, you know, you would think, oh, no, then Jacob's not going to have learned all those great lessons. But Jacob does learn all those great lessons. He finally finds his way back to the Colonial Williamsburg Motel 6, where his cheap ass parents are staying. And it has changed his perspective. It's kind of like that movie Dutch that Ed O'Neill was in in the early 90s, where the kid was actually Ethan Embry. I had no idea. I looked that up recently. Kind of blew my mind. Um, where instead of being a little, a little bastard, now he is a good kid and he's lived a lifetime living in cool world. And now he's a good kid. That would be the story of Jacob Tutu and the hooded Fang. Thank you for coming to my Ted talk. While I can see elements of your story of, you know, in the <laughs> real <laughs> movie. Uh, no. Uh, oh, well, oh, well. Um, I learned a lot about this movie, um, Jacob Tutu and the Hooded Meets the Hooded Fang, because it's actually a childhood book. Um, didn't know this. Came out in the seventies. Um, there was a mo- another movie made in nineteen seventy seven, uh, but there the one we're talking about is the nineteen ninety nine movie, Charlie. So, Charlie, the plot is such: one day, a boy named Jacob Tutu, um, because he repeats everything twice. Um, decides to set out to prove himself, including wearing tutus. Yes, decides to set out to prove himself to his parents that he can do things. So his father, uh, so his father, who is tired of hearing his wife order him to do the shopping, sets Jacob out to buy two tomatoes. As Jacob makes his way to buy them, the green grocer in the shop keeps telling an officer that Jacob was threatening him. So Jacob escapes, but only just hitting his he's head like, rather than he's like re- fuck them kids. Yeah, he, just, <laughs> he, gets, he hits his head rather hard, and he wakes in court, where he's sentenced to two years, two months. Two weeks, two days, two hours, two minutes, and five seconds to a children's prison run by not only a mad children's wrestler. Children's prison. Oh, my God. Not only a mad wrestler presumed lost, but also two aptly named bird-like and fish-like cohorts, as well as slimy humanoids that spray regis- resistors with slime to stop them in their tracks. Uh, helping Jacob in his mission are two young agents that aim to free all the children kept prisoner in the swampy penitentiary. It's up to Jacob Tutu to escape his heinous prison and free all of the other imprisoned children children 
Yes. Wow. Um, so, so he does have some kind of fantastical journey of redemption, is what you're saying. Yes, but, but he is he not go- the hooded fang. Um, he's not the hooded fang. Yeah. So I'll, so I'll give you who the cast is. I'll give you yeah, oh, I so, got to know who the hooded fang is. So Gary Busey is the hooded fang. Yes. I mean, he's crazy enough. It, and this came out in 1999. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't know that he was quite to his craziest, but he wasn't. I, he wasn't doing a lot after what was the last time I could pick like Predator Two, which was 1990. I don't know. I can't picture yeah. him in anything. Yeah, exactly. So also Mark <laughs> McKinney from SNL and also Kids in the Hall uh, was oh, Mr. Sure. Fish. Miranda R- Richardson, famous actress, oh, was Miss Fowl. Okay, actress. Uh, yeah. Uh, Max Morrow was Jacob Tutu. Don't not sure if he's done anything else since then um and then ice t was the judge what the only thing i can really think of of ice t like fantasy sci-fi really being in is he was in uh uh was it to judge not judge dread he was in the ghost of mars or um it was no it was tank girl he was in tank girl yeah, and Ghost of Mars, I believe. And Ghost of Mars, no, yeah, Ice exactly. Cube. No, that was Ice Cube. Sorry. Right. Yeah. No, Ice T was he was he was like some big mutant creature, like a Kangaroo. mutant, like can, yeah. yeah, exactly. He says I used to be a cop, and Ice T, of course, I most finally remember from New Jack City uh, as far as an acting role because I love that film. But how interesting! So this was a brig, like a Canadian American film, or. Uh, no, this one was Canadian. Yes, you're right. Okay, Absolutely gotcha. Canadian. Yeah. I mean, you know what? It, it, there is a 65% chance anything you're watching was filmed in Canada because it's cheaper. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And, and uh, you know, once you're actually watching this, folks, I'll put covers of these movies up uh, yes, as we please. talk about them. Yes. So you can please see do. what we're talking about. Yes. It'll be absolutely fun. Well, holy cow. This was fantastic. And and again, we hadn't done this in over a year. And our overall goal when it comes to our core, you know, ga- you know, games is that we only have four or five of them. And we try to space them out by at least like three to six months at a bare minimum so that it doesn't get to be, you know, really tedious. Plus, we don't sneak them in a lot because we often have other stuff to talk about. But this was the proverbial slow week for discussion. But um, but anyway, yes, there will be. Uh, certainly more to come. Um, we're, we're getting into kind of the Secret Friends Unite uh, season of excitement, uh, which we'll be hearing about very shortly. But with that, that is the end of this great installment of our show. Friends, thank you for joining us. Todd, where do people find you out there on the web? Yeah, follow me at Twitter at Tioxtra. Also on um Hive at Todd of War, which I don't know if that site people are going to care about much other than that. But um, yeah, other than that, just check out secretfriendsunite.com and also uh, our YouTube channel, uh, Secret Friends Unite. There. Yes, indeed. I'd love to have it. Check out our content. Plug, plug, plug. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, as always, at the C3. Uh, I don't dabble on a lot of other things. I'm very active on our SFU Discord, which I absolutely love. Uh, my wife, April, and I do run the USS Grand Petoskey. That is one of the biggest chapters of the uh, Starfleet Star Trek International Fan Club. We're based here in West Michigan, but have members absolutely everywhere. You can find us uh, at a website of that name and across most socials as well. We would love to have you on board for the journey so one more time friends i'll tell you thank you for joining us let you know that sharing is caring and keep on trucking be the hero not the villain in a truck this podcast is part of the secret friends unite podcasting network visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows articles news reviews and more Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. 
If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server, or follow at SecretFriendsU on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends.